0: This is The Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Good afternoon, good morning, depending on when you are listening. I guess where you're listening, either across the Sportsnet Radio Network or your favorite podcast platform. Or on Sportsnet 360, we thank you for joining us for uh, another week here. A really busy week. It's sometimes a pretty heavy week coming off the passing of adam johnson on the weekend uh to talking about as we will hear in a couple of moments uh the vancouver canucks just handing it to the san jose sharks last night 10 to 1 and here becomes the question should rick tuckett have challenged that goal maybe would have had a good case keep the goalie shut out keep that your happy I'll just say, ah, the scores run up. Let's not prolong this anymore. We'll talk about that with Elliot coming up here in a couple of moments. Uh, also, at the bottom of the hour, it is a Hughes NHL. We're just living in it. Uh, if you have a look at the top scores around the NHL, amongst defensemen, Quinn Hughes, number one, with 16. Uh, among skaters, Jack Hughes, number one, with 20 points. And amongst rookies, Luke Hughes, in at number two, with seven, uh, trailing Logan Cooley by a single point. Again, it is a Hughes hockey universe. We're just skating in it. Uh, Jim Hughes, uh, the father of these three wonderful young athletes, will stop by the program at the bottom of the hour. Meanwhile, net guards dominated the headlines all week long. And as we saw as recently as yesterday, players started to put them on during practice. And practice is one thing. Get used to them. See how they feel again. Wearing them in practice is one thing. Wearing them in a game is a completely different affair. But last night, whether it was Nick Ehlers, whether it was Neil Pionk, or as you're about to hear from, uh, hear from TJ Oshi, put one on as well. Here's TJ Oshi after the game last night commenting on wearing the neck guard. One of
2: the first NHL guys to wear a, a neck guard in a game. Um, what kind of message does that send to maybe hockey players who are on the fence um, for youth I hope it it shows them that it's uh, it's, it's really not um, a distraction from from my game I thought I played pretty de- decent tonight honestly it was actually really comfortable so um, uh, youth players I hope they um, if they're able I hope they're um, they can get some type of neck protection and and uh, it, it literally didn't I didn't even notice it after one shift tonight. So, how about for the NHL guys? NHL guys, I think it's super important that they know that it's uh, it's going to be available. Um, it's available to them. I think maybe the teams can uh, can help provide that. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, we're grown men. You, if you don't want to do it, you don't. You know, yep. um, for at least now, um, middle of the season. I don't know if it's uh, necessary to mandate it, but um, you can make your own choices. I made mean, my choice for. For my kids and, and uh, you know I want to stick around for them so um, just trying to decrease um, the chance of injury.
1: Okay so one big takeaway there I made the choice for my kids that's a part of the discussion I think that is a particularly salient one we tend to uh, leave out the family's uh, perspective on a lot of these decisions once upon a time when you know before visors were mandated. Uh, that was not just a player decision, but was also a family decision as well. TJ Oshi saying, TJ Oshi rather saying, I-, I made this decision. Uh, I made this choice for my kids. I want to be around. Uh, I would imagine this is hockey player dinner table conversation going back to the weekend and will probably continue as well. Anyhow, that's TJ Oshi. The Washington Capitals uh, putting on the neck guard yesterday, as I mentioned, Nick Healyers, Neil Pionk, as well. Uh, with that, we'll bring in uh, Elliot Friedman to to move this conversation a little bit further from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Elliot, um, interesting, just listening to the TJ Oshie clip from from last night, and you know, one of the things that he talked about, which I found particularly salient and important here, is he slides in the comments, "I made my choice for my kids. I still want to be around." You know, Mm -hmm. when we talk about players' choices and the decision they're going to make, I think one of the things we always leave out is um, how do the spouses feel, how do the kids feel, because they're part of this. This isn't just players, you know, acting autonomously and making their own decisions. There is an entire circle of support around them that have to factor into this decision, too.
0: No question about it. Um, You know, we talked about it on the pod today about uh, when Ty Domi put on a visor. And that was not yep. as much his decision as it was a family decision, and so that's like all of that is part of it, right? Um, you know the you know the, the good thing about you know getting married, uh, Jeff, is you have a family, and it's a great thing. The bad thing about uh, getting married is that you have to let other people help make your decisions for you. So that's kind of the way it goes. <laughs>
1: It's easier that way. It's easier that way, Elliot. There's two kinds of freedom. There's the freedom to choose, and there's the freedom from having to choose. The older I get, the more I like the freedom from having to choose. Just tell me where to go and what to do. I, I can share the blame
0: easier. in every bad decision I make. <laughs> hey, you told me to do this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I'm no longer responsible. Were you surprised at how uh, how seemingly quickly – Players put this on not just in practices, and whether it's you know Carlson or Tom Wilson, we saw players you know wearing them in practice on Thursday morning. Um, but right away in games, by the end of this week, we already have a, a couple of players that are wearing neck guards.
0: I have to say, I'm really not that surprised, simply because of how gruesome the 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 injury and the incident was. Um, so yeah. I, I would say no. Like you know, sometimes. We get pushed into doing things not because of our choices, but because of things that happen around us that we have no control over. And this was one of those Mm -hmm. cases. And then we all look at it and we say, okay, what different decision can we make that can help us? or how does this affect us like what is the what is the you know what are the consequences or one of the things we have to do to deal and in this particular case i'm sure that there's a lot of players who have families where someone said to them you know we this could be avoided or things could not be as serious if you wear this small bit of protection you know the the one thing that I thought was particularly interesting. So there's three guys who wore it last night. Uh Oshi did, Ehlers did, and uh Neil peont did. Daleen wore it the other night and, and took it off. He found it uncomfortable. Yeah. And I I think, you know, that was something that players did say was a real thing. Um you're gonna see manufacturers racing to get pro like there are apparently I heard this last night, Jeff there are some products yet still out there that are not yet approved by you know the NHL or the AHL or whoever it yep. is uh, i think you're going to see people racing to get some of this stuff uh, approved so yep. that uh, there's more available because I, I do think that that product has come a long way in the last 5 years
1: don't disagree at all um so this conversation continues meanwhile Uh, Bottom of the hour, I'm going to talk to Jim Hughes, uh, who works at CAA and uh, for all intents and purposes, is the father of the three kids who are dominating the NHL. Jack Hughes, 20 points, number one in skater scoring. Uh, Defenseman Quinn Hughes leads all defenders with 16 points. And Luke Hughes is one point away from leading all rookies in points uh with 7 trailing uh, trailing only Logan Cooley. Before we drill down, I'm going to start with Vancouver with you here. Just do you have a thought on the Hughes family right now? Like this is shaping up to be the year of the Hugheses.
0: I think you should tell him how come he didn't have a goalie cuz then he could win every trophy.
1: <laughs> That's a good point too. And uh and and can one of them coach one day so they can pick up a Jack Adams.
0: You know, it, it, the, th- the thing—it's true. Well, they got time for that one. Like they've got time for that one. Yeah. But if you, if you think about it, like like the family success stories, like Sutters, um, you know, the Tannins. Yep. Um, there's two, but yep. Uh, I, I but still, they they did not take the normal route to the NHL, and they both had really good careers. There's the Subans, of course, mm. and now you know the yep. Hughes and. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's really uh, like, like the one thing is it would be, you know, maybe I'm giving away just this away for free, but you almost want, you would almost love to have them all sit down and say, what yeah. are the similarities? What are the things that you guys all did that turned out to be the same thing? Or what are the things that you guys did that maybe one family did or that others didn't do, or, or things like that. Because the Tanners, in particular, have a really unique route to the to the National Hockey League. But they do, you know. The, the the one the thing that I think it's it's I I think the thing that kind of goes through all of them is that they're all like there. There's not a lot of shortcuts there. Um, you know, they all put in the work. They all like. The the one thing about the Hughes kids in particular is they all seem to really love, they're competitive in everything they do. They're against each other. They all put in the work. They find ways to make the work as as fun as possible, but they all put in the work. And uh, I think that's so important. Like there's no shortcuts to greatness. It's about, it's about doing the, the same things every day it's about being consistent it's about showing up it's about okay this is what I did wrong this is how I'm gonna fix it you've got to enjoy it and you've got to love it I'm not really sure you can be great unless you enjoy it and love it but there's no shortcuts on that path
1: the what's the old saying there's no elevator to success you take the stairs um, and that's the way the Hughes family has done it. And I think that's, you know, I'll get into this with Jim at the bottom of the hour, but they like they all compete really hard against each other. Like, I know it's fun and yeah. good-hearted, and they talk about it whenever we talk about it with the, at the players' tour, but they compete hard against each other, and it's a matter of pride to beat one another. Like, that's the environment these guys have grown up in. And, you know, last night, you know, we were, you know, watching that Vancouver-San Jose game and, like you, wondering... You know, is Quinn Hughes gonna catch Paul Coffey and Tom Bladen, old Philadelphia Flyer defenseman, and an Edmonton Oilers legend Paul Coffey, and actually catch or break the most amount of points scored by a defenseman in a single NHL game? And who what did you was think right? of before we get to who the, the right? talk? What's that? You okay? You were right? right, but that but I hate that. You, I hate that you were right. Because I like players that go for it. Like, I wanted Tage Thompson last December against Columbus to go for it and break Daryl Sittler's record. I wanted Quinn Hughes last night to say, you know what? I got a shot at beating Paul Coffey and Tom Blaton a record that stood for years and many think is, is unbeatable. I got a shot here after a couple of periods. I need three more points, and, and I'm right there. And instead, taking off the power play, defer, 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 rag the puck, kill time, like... I don't know. I didn't I didn't like it for capital H hockey. I understood it for that game. I just there are some points where I think that we always talk about good of the game, but I think the game should have taken over. I firmly believe if you're in a position to break an NHL record, you don't take your foot off the pedal. You don't take your foot off the gas. You keep going. I didn't like Tage Thompson last year, and to be honest with you, I didn't like the decision yesterday with Vancouver and Quinn Hughes.
0: You know what I? You know what I have an image of you right now. It's like you know your kids are both hockey players. Like how, how old? How old are your boys now?
1: Do you want me to say like a real age or sound like a douchey hockey dad? They're no, thirteen they're right and eleven. Or as douchey okay. hockey dads say, I I've I've got a two thousand ten
0: to two thousand twelve. No, it's <laughs> fine. Either one. Either one is acceptable. <laughs> I can just see your thirteen year old like going on the ice against uh. some six year olds, teaching them how to play hockey. And they have a swimming, that's <laughs> a hundred to nothing, and you're like, I want to win by hundred and two.
1: That's what you are. No, you know what I'm getting. You know, you know what I'm getting at, though. Like when you're close to beating a record, like one that stood as long as this one has, much like the Sittler record that Tage Thompson, you know, had a legit shot at last yeah. year. Don't yeah. you owe it to the game to kind of go for it? Like I don't know. Like, am I you too romantic why? about like, hockey history? The- like, it, like, that's why I like. I like people breaking records.
0: I actually thought a lot about this the last time we had this conversation. And I, I, I would say this, uh, this is this is what I settled on. And it's actually kind of interesting that this came up last night with, with Hughes in a 10, nothing game. I wouldn't want to do it. I'll tell you that I, I, I would not, but, but in 20 years, if I never broke the record, And I looked at the record and said, okay, I had five points and there's, you know, uh, there's Bladen and Coffee with eight. In 20 years, I might look back and say, you know what, I wish I'd gone for it that night, but in the the moment, I I wouldn't want to do it. And, you know, I'll tell you this, I'm not, there's two things about talking that did not,
1: yeah. One thing. Yeah. Do you remember the score of the Maple Leafs game when Sittler yeah, set the record of ten points? You remember what the score? Eleven, 11 to four. four. You know. You know there was the the, the great saving. Uh, Dave Reese stayed in there. Uh, Jerry Cheevers put a towel over his head as if to say, yeah. "Don't put me in. Let yeah. Reese in to rot on all these goals."
0: Yeah, it was eleven to four. You know that. Uh, just a funny story about that. Before I get to back to Vancouver. We did a, a school project once and uh, I remember yeah. I was like in grade three or four and it was not long after Sittler had set that record and the, the teacher uh, gave a bonus question. He said, what was the final score in the game where Daryl Sittler got 10 points? Like, it, it was just a bonus question. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and a buddy of mine put 9-2 to two, and the teacher failed him. Yeah. Like, it was a joke. He changed the grade later, but initially <laughs> he put an F on it. That's he awesome. said, Daryl Sittler got 10 points. How could the score be nine to two? <laughs> anyway. That,
1: hey. Was that, hang on, hang on. Was that Vashti Netomansky, uh Big Ned's, that, big no, Neds kid that you went to school actually, with? No, it
0: wasn't actually. No, it wasn't. It was okay. not a kid in the class. It was just really funny, I remember. It okay. Was, it was, how could the score, anyway. The thing about last night is number one, <laughs> I saw that power play in the third period. I saw Susie out there. I'm like, okay, but like the yeah. thing is, like you, like anybody who knows Rick Tockett, that's like in his DNA. He there was no way he was going to run up that score, no way he was going to run up the score. And I'll tell you something else too, when it, that that San Jose goal, I think he wins that challenge. Yeah, I do too. I, I, it, I do but, too. But it's like. He's like, but talk is looking at this and he's like, it's 10 to nothing. I am not challenging this. Like, there's no way. And but, you know, the hang funny on. thing is too, but, but, hang on. I know, I know what you're going to say. It's a shutout. I know. I bet you he probably yeah, what's the, what's, wh- for one second. What's he goes, the, it's a shutout. And then he's like, what's, it's 10, nothing. No way. No
1: way. What's the, mo- okay. At that time, what's the more important number, the 10 or the zero to Rick I think
0: I think for half a second, maybe a bit more, he thought about the zero. <laughs> I, absolutely. I yeah. like like Demko like you you saw Demko's reaction.
1: Like I bet you he, he right was, away. He's like, no. Yeah, he was like, yeah. this is interference. Demko's this like, no, no, it's a shutout. <laughs> yes. I, you know, and I get
0: it. I probably I I, I I bet you on some level Demko wanted him to challenge that. Not even on some level. I bet totally. you Demko wanted to challenge him that. But talking I, it, and, I, and I guarantee you, looking at the face of Talkett, he's like, for half a second or a second, he's like, that's no goal. And then he looked up at the scoreboard and he says, I'm not, I'm not doing this. And you know why he doesn't do that? Because of Dave Quinn. Like, that's a coaching fraternity thing. And he knows what's going on yeah. on the other bench. And he's like, I am not, I am not. He like Because every coach knows there's going to be a day when you're on the other end of that score. And you're like, I don't want that done to me. I'm not doing it to somebody else.
1: Jeez, I don't know. I, I a, a big part of me is like, look, it's already it's already ten nothing. I just I just want I just would love love to have had the debate around. I mean, you can have it anyway because he didn't call it. I just would have loved seeing a coach's challenge at ten nothing to get a, to get a goal off the board. No, there's no way. Um, to okay, that. now I will Come-
0: say this, Demko. If in 15 years from now Demko is one shutout behind Martin Brodeur, this is oh, going to be a big debate. Oh.
1: Yeah, bookmark this one, folks. Bookmark this one. Okay, so that's one coach. Uh, let's rewind to another coach. Yesterday there was Rick Tocchet and how best he team felt. The
0: Vancouver Canucks.
1: Well, do you want to do a couple. You want to talk about Pederson. You want to talk about Besser with three points. You want to talk about JT Miller. You want to talk about uh, Elias Pedersen with three assists. Or do you want to move along here?
0: Well, the only thing I want to say is: Is there a team in the league right now whose best players are better than these guys?
1: No, all their best players are playing out of this world. All of them. All the best guys. Are you know, the Well,
0: I, I was thinking maybe Vegas, maybe Boston, but uh, I don't know. Not like, like, this. Not like not this. this. Not like this. Not like this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, Vancouver is the team where the best guys are performing like the best guys. Um, Meanwhile, let's get back to coaches here. Compare what we saw from Rick Tockett and how he felt last night to Sheldon Keefe, head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Not exactly the biggest Brad Marchand fan. Um, Mm -hmm. Not a lot of opposition coaches or players are. Uh, Toronto loses 3-2 in a shootout to the Boston Bruins. Uh, The big story here is Timothy Liljegren injured on a can opener play folks it's not a slew foot there's no presence of an arm across the chest it's a can opener play he's injured he will miss significant time here uh the maple leafs not thrilled and the head coach not thrilled either your thoughts on what you well you worked this game with uh with justin and nick and david amber what were your thoughts on it
0: well first of all you know i forgot that the sweden trip was coming up but i think that's a real shame like i i i really feel for Lilligren. Uh, on that one, it's, it's a real shame. Um, I can only imagine the excitement that he's feeling going back home to play in front of his family, and you know that that injury happens. I I, I really feel for him. Um, look, like you know, Nick and I debated last night. Uh, Justin, too. Um, I, I just, that play just is not a suspension in the NHL. So when people are asking, is that a suspension? I didn't think there was any chance it was going to be because it just, historically, that plate is not uh, is not result in a suspension. Was it a penalty? Absolutely it was. Mm. And um, it was a miss. But, you know, I think Nick had some really interesting comments about, you know, the aftermath. It's You know, Marchand stays on the ice. Um, he's still out there. Um, it, you know, not, not, nothing is said to him. You know, the Maple Leafs have always kind of, Maple Leafs DNA for the last few years has always kind of been our, our power play is our revenge, right? And they didn't even get a power play out of that one. And, um, you know, nothing really came of it. And, you know, Nick said it's not like it's the 1970s anymore. You don't have to start a bench-clearing brawl. But, you know, he, he was surprised that nobody kind of said anything aside from that brief chirping on the bench. And, you know, like last night, at you know, there, there was a weird thing in the San Jose game too, Jeff, where Cochranin got hurt on one of the goals, and it was just weird seeing yes. all the Canucks yeah. players, just including Mikheyev, who scored, uh, just go to him and say, hey, are you all right? And and then you contrast that to the Rangers last night, and like Ajo wasn't trying to hurt Fox. Like that was a, a, a fluky thing, but... Like the Rangers were chasing off well, all around the ice, and so okay, so I, I,
1: you know J- Jacob. Him, pa- pa- pause on that for one, one brief sec, Elliot. I just want to stop you there for one second because Jacob Truba after the game said, "Well, whenever I do something like that, I have to answer." I guess he thinks that he doesn't. So it was Truba who extended the invitation. Um, Alexi Lafreniere, Lafreniere later Lafreniere, uh, yeah. went after Aho. Like. Like the, there, there were multiple opportunities. I, I thought that I thought Truba's point was an interesting one. I'm always expected to do it when I'm in that situation. How come he isn't?
0: Yeah, I, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Maybe uh, like maybe it's uh, because Truba just has more of them. I don't know. Like uh, I don't have a good answer for you on that one. But I just thought it was interesting how the Rangers made it a point to make to make their displeasure. Uh, very clear. Now, you know, the thing last night, I, I, I got an interesting text this morning about Bertuzzi because, obviously, Bertuzzi's in the middle of it right now. He, he didn't play the last yeah. eight and a half minutes of the third period in nothing in overtime. He got demoted again. He's, it's obviously struggling to find a fit for him. And, you know, like, uh, like there a few players are chirping at, 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 at my and Bertuzzi is kind of, like, smiling if you notice at the end, he kind of rolls his eyes. And, you know, the the player said to me that he thinks that what Bertuzzi was doing was like, I played with this guy last year. I really like him, but I can't believe what he gets away with. And then he just rolls his eyes. So I did have one person reach out to me and say, don't think that Bertuzzi's look is being interpreted fairly. But there's no question that I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see Jeff, like, is there a a conversation internally about is this the way – is the power play is our revenge still the way we're going to do this? Because, like, Nick wasn't the only guy who felt that way last night. I think there's a lot of people who felt the way Nick did. And, um, you know, they almost came back and won the game. But I think the injury and the fact there was no penalty – left a really sour taste in people's mouths about
1: how everything was reacting to there. The, uh, the other story with the Boston Bruins, or one of the other stories with the Boston Bruins, Charlie McAvoy appealing his four-game suspension. He served one uh, yeah. last night, three more to go. You talked about this on the panel last night, appealing this mainly because Oliver Ekman Larson is back, unlike the Rasmus Anderson situation where yes. Patrick Linea was hurt and missed games.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's the reason because I was given a bit more information as the night progressed, is that initially I think th- the plan was that that was not going to be appealed. But then when Ekman-Larsen played last night for the Panthers, uh, it was the decision was changed apparently. So look, like one of the reasons that Anderson's suspension held up for the four games is because of Lainey's injury. And that's, you know, and, and, which obviously has turned out to be a... A pretty significant injury, unfortunately. Um, and so I, I think what they're probably going to argue, it sounds to me like to say, look, it, it wasn't as serious. The player wasn't as badly hurt. So we'll see if they can knock a game off or something like that. You said this the best. You yeah. can't see the commissioner, um, you know, t- pulling the rug out from yeah. underneath George Peros. I agree with that. I assume it'll go nowhere, but I think that's the last one.
1: Uh, Really quick, remember two nights ago when uh, Jake Ottinger made 47 saves against the Calgary Flames? Yep. Do you remember last night when Scott Wedgwood made 46 saves against the Edmonton Oilers? Can you think of two teams that did not need to see back-to-back red-hot goalies more so than Calgary and Edmonton? Because that's what they both got this week from the Dallas Stars.
0: Well, I I think that... uh if there's one thing that you always did, it was Sam Gagne to shoot more last night. He was the guy who was figuring it out.
1: <laughs> no kidding. Uh, that not
2: you know, great?
0: Like the, you know, Edmonton, I didn't think that depth scoring was going to be a big problem for them. They're not getting a lot of help there. Like we talked a lot about yeah. Calgary and, you know, I, I think it's really interesting, you know, the Flames, they, they, they've given Zari a chance. Now they're giving Pospisil a chance. Um, I think Calgary is going to try to find out what it's got in its organization here, which I think is the the really smart play. But I I am astonished Mm. that just the Oilers are not getting any depth, depth score.
1: Uh sticking with that minders again. One one more final point here. I know I got on about this with uh, with the New York Islanders, but you know, i am off with another shout out. You know, the Washington yep. Capitals, specifically at the beginning of that game yesterday, were just all over the Islanders. Uh, yep. not the best game for Darcy Kemper. Uh the Islanders end up winning this one three nothing. Um, we talk about goaltending combinations and Boston's got a great one. Uh, you throw the Islanders into that mix as well. The Varlamov-Sorokin tandem right now amongst the best in the NHL and front and center yesterday, uh, Simeon Varlamov, his second straight shutout. I guess this is going to be the M.O. for the uh, for the Islanders this year. You know, score two goals, maybe three, and uh, hope that your goalie doesn't score let in more than one because generally and lately, they don't, Elliot, they don't.
0: No, they don't. Uh like that that was wild last night. Like they, they got they exposed the shots fourteen to two in the first period and it was two nothing Islanders. Like that Yeah, you it's crazy. Everything's you, going in on Kemper. You, you, you don't see that very often. Look, um you know the Islanders, um, they they really believe in that duo, Sorokin and Varlamov. They like hey, you know I think a credit to Varlamov for recognizing what a good situation is for him too. Even though he's not the full-time starter, like he could have very easily gone somewhere else. And he said, like that was the, always the Bob McCallen lesson: was don't screw with happy. And Varlamov is happy, and he made it work. And I, I think that's credit to him, and it's credit to what the organization's created uh, for him. Sometimes the like I find out there's a really interesting team to watch because I think sometimes that those guys are shackled a bit, but. Um, Yep. Boy, like they, like they, they, like you talk about a team that understands roles and what everybody's supposed to do, that's them.
1: Yeah, I don't think Bob McCowan Cowan used the word screw either. I think it was another more descriptive. No,
0: word. It, was, it, was, it was another word, but you know, I, I know the <laughs> line moves these days. Kids are exposed <laughs> to think, a lot more words yeah. than they're used to. But I'm still, I'm, I'm not sure what we're allowed to do on terrestrial radio. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about that one right now. Maybe one day, Elliot. Maybe one day, but today is not that day. Uh, Okay, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thanks, as always, for popping by at another great week of both radio and podcasts. And we will look for you Saturday on Hockey Night. You be well. All
0: right, buddy. Take care, Jeff. Have a great weekend.